dragging you down and get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. You'll never know if you can till you try. Hi, and welcome to Cannabis Helps Dementia. I'm Chella. I'm Dave. And right up front, we'd like to say that we're not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing you hear in this podcast should be considered medical advice. Right. We're not experts, but throughout this podcast series, you'll hear from doctors, nurses, research scientists, administrators, other caregivers, and people living with dementia about how cannabis helps. Like it did for our family. That's right. After my mom was diagnosed with dementia, we were thrust into family caregiving and became fierce advocates for people living with dementia. Including their access to cannabis medicine. And that's how we met the members of our panel for this episode. Our panelists are experts in elder care and specialists in cannabinoid medicine with first-hand experience on the front lines in California's North Bay Area. We love that they're always sharing their knowledge at medical symposia, events, webinars, and podcasts. Joining us on the panel to talk about anxiety and depression are Dr. Philip Grobe, geriatric psychiatrist with 28 years of experience. He's a member of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians with an extensive practice in the Santa Rosa, Sacramento area. Geriatric nurse practitioner and president of the American Cannabis Nurses Association, Eloise Thiessen, who founded Radical Health in California's North Bay Area and is the chief nursing officer at LEAF 411, the first free national cannabis-trained nurse hotline. And health and wellness director for the Lodge at Fountain Grove and the Terrace's Memory Care, frontliner in the trenches, Marissa Goldman, LVN. Thank you all so much for being here today. Let's get into it. Anxiety and depression are among the most common mental health complaints in the U.S. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, more than 6.5 million older Americans are dealing with depression on some level. In the United States alone, the average rate of depression or anxiety since the start of COVID is over 32%. Isolation depression remains a serious concern for seniors, particularly those living with dementia in care facilities, which are being hit hard by COVID. The Alzheimer's Association reports excess deaths in people living with dementia not related to the virus itself, but from the changes designed to protect them that are increasing loneliness, depression, anxiety, isolation, and unprecedented stress. Going through the coronavirus pandemic has been a really challenging time for everyone in the world, but it's fair to say especially hard for our isolated elderly and their care partners. Dr. Grobe and Nurse Eloise, you're both geriatric specialists focusing on older people. What are your thoughts in general about how cannabis can help older people struggling with anxiety and depression? Thank you, Chella. Um, well, you know, I've been working with cannabis for uh, many years now with, with, with the individuals that uh, come to me. Um, and uh, it's quite remarkable how uh, uh, many of them have a rather robust immediate response to, uh, to relief of whatever emotional distress they're going through. Uh, many of these individuals uh, actually don't ask how they and they have a fairly advanced dementia. Um, uh, and so I will uh, utilize uh, cannabis uh, as uh, in addition to or as an alternative to prescription medications. Uh, but uh, I also work with uh, individuals who, who do uh, either inquire um, or many, uh, uh, particularly younger individuals, come to me uh, who self-medicate with cannabis. Um, and uh, uh, many, sadly, many physicians uh, discourage their use, but I try and get a, a, a rather a, a clear history of whether it has any therapeutic value and uh, I'd say a majority of the time it does, and I 
I say that's fine. Uh, you know, I support your use of it. Um, but with regard to the older population, the primary um, um, uh, uh, impediment to uh, uh, initiating use is is, is uh, uh, lack of uh, education and anxiety uh, due to the uh, uh, public misunderstanding of the potential role of cannabis as a medicine. Yeah, that same. And and uh, Eloise, how about you? What are your uh, What are your thoughts? Well, we I think we're starting to see some really good data come out around how CBD in particular can help with anxiety and depression. We're seeing good research to support that the endocannabinoid system plays a significant role in depression, and if you have a dysfunctional endocannabinoid system. So, you know, I agree with Dr. Grobe that often patients are looking to their primary care, you know, physician or other clinicians for advice or potential approval of using it. And often they're met with, sure, that's fine if you want to use it. They really lack that guidance um, from a knowledgeable healthcare professional that can help them understand what to expect, where to get it. And we also know um, that the stigma is very much alive and well and can often prevent them from even exploring this type of treatment because of, you know, kind of what the video said and Dr. Grobe said, you know, you end up with these misconceptions or maybe you had an experience in the past that has led you to feel um, concerned about moving forward with it. And so really helping them navigate cannabis, I think, can improve their success. Do you find that it requires quite a lot of education at the beginning? It depends. <laughs> you know, it depends on the complexity of their anxiety and depression. You know, when I do a health history, sometimes they're coming to me for maybe chronic pain or insomnia, and, and I find that anxiety and depression is a comorbidity. You know, we see it occurring, you know, pretty frequently with other health conditions in the older adult. So, um, you know, it really depends on the severity. Thank you. Um, now, Nurse Marissa, tell us how care facilities in the lot, like the lodge and terraces, are working to ease stress for residents and family caregivers who may not be able to show up the way they did normally. So we've had to get very creative, you know. Um, and one of the biggest um, selling points for coming into this type of setting is the social interaction that they're able to get. And that can be one of the causes for people to have anxiety and depression um, in their later years. Uh, so in memory care, we have a little bit more flexibility because of their inability to um, understand the rules that are going on with, you know, social distancing due to um, the COVID um, outbreak. But here in the lodge, you know, we've had to do similar to what we're doing right now. You have to do Zoom activities so that at least you're able to see people's faces and feel as though you're having those social interactions. Um, it's, it's a very big challenge for us. You know, it's, we have to completely readjust everything that we're doing and we have to kind of start from scratch because this isn't something that we're all familiar with. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're really focusing on maintaining good quality of life for our, our, our residents and also um, just making meaningful activities and, and continuing to try to maintain social relationships and interactions that can 
that can really help them feel like they're getting more out of each day um, and able to have those positive things going on on a regular basis, despite the fact that we're being so isolated right now. Yeah. Um, I know that at the lodge and terraces at Oakmont, you guys have been using cannabis medicine for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the behaviors that are alleviated with cannabis medicine in your experience? Um, the first time I really saw a huge change was um, not so much about the behaviors, but in regards to pain management. Um, you know, we see a lot of people that um, tend to use narcotic pain medicines, such as, you know, uh, Vicodin, Norco, um, Oxycodone, Methadone. Those are all very intense medications that are very um, addictive. Um, so I actually was able to see it with, I had a, a resident that was, uh, that did have dementia and had chronic pain issues and she was taking Vicodin for a long period of time. Every time she took the Vicodin, she would have increased confusion, higher risk of falling, um, and was essentially just not able to interact and participate in activities. Um, so we started her on a routine CBD, which made it after a year that she never even used the Vicodin again. And so she was able to, you know, have these meaningful interactions with people, participate in activities, continue to be in social settings without kind of being laconic and just literally just present. Um, and then more so recently, you know, I've seen it work with um, people that have the when we have people with dementia, you know, it's a spectrum similar to autism or anything else. So you know, they never manifest the same way in each individual. Um, we've had an individual that <clears throat> high functioning, however, very obvious signs of dementia, but high behaviors, very um, aggressive when it comes to um, activities of daily living, which is, you know, bathing, dressing, that type of stuff. Um, very, very resistant to any type of redirection um, and angry all the time. And you can see all of these are symptoms of a need that's not being met. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really challenging for us on the front line to figure out how can we determine what that need is and how can we meet that need and you know fix whatever is going on with this individual. Um, we had tried a, a, all different types of antipsychotic medications and I'm personally not a fan of them um, because they're just counterproductive with individuals with dementia. Mm -hmm. um, so we in, initiated a CBD and the benefit of the CBD also is not only can you get it in a capsule, you can also get it in, you know, edible form like gummies, mm -hmm. which are more appealing to somebody who might have that um, uncertainty or distrust towards people that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started this individual on gummies, uh, CBD gummies, a 20 to one ratio, mm -hmm. and we saw her smile. Mm -hmm almost every day she's smiling, you know, and she would walk around with a grimace and be very upset mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and that was really monumental. And again, this is something that you see almost immediately after the first dose within a couple hours, you see this change in this individual. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very, 
it, it, it's very, it makes you feel really good, you know, yeah. that you can actually find something that um, is not just a crutch. It's something yeah. that is actually improving this person's quality of life. Because when you're walking around and you have anxiety, you have depression, you have these behaviors that you're, these outbursts, it's because you're not happy. It's because you have all of these other things that are going on mm -hmm. um, and you're suffering internally. So it, it's just, it's nice to be able to find something that works well for yeah. um, these individuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, I mean, we are very lucky in this part of California that there are many different cannabis products available where we are. Mm -hmm. um, and gummies are cool, but uh, what makes Pharmacan uniquely suited for a facility setting? Well, in... Uh, in a residential care facility for the elderly, which is what we are, it's called also known as an RCFB. Mm -hmm. We are um, mandated by Title 22 regulations um, and that's um, governed by the Department of Social Services. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of really strict guidelines. And like I was saying earlier, we're a social model. We're not a medical model. So alternatively to a uh, nursing facility, we do not have 24-hour nursing. I'm the nurse for our whole campus. We don't have um, often a medical director or a doctor that's on campus. Um, so we need to have um, medications that are prepared in a way that a, a med tech, who is an individual with no, not necessarily any type of um, background with medications, who's assisting with the administration of these medications. What's great about Pharmacan is they package it exactly the way that we need to have it packaged um it's clearly labeled um it comes in a bubble pack so it's really easy to dispense it's also easy to be accountable for because they're treated like a narcotic in our setting so we keep it in a loft box we count them every shift um you minimize the risk for um uh, medication errors which is huge um and what I like about them too is that the dosages are really well um, dispensed. So like the difference between each of the dosages are really easy to work with. Um, and also they get delivered directly to our community. So we're not having to spend time um, from our staff or even from the family or significant others to have to go out and get this medication. Because when you have a dosage that's written by a doctor, we have to have it exactly like that. So when you're trying to go run around to different dispensaries to figure out where can I get this one preparation that's exactly the same as what the doctor wrote, and how can I guarantee that I'll be able to get that every single time, it's very, it becomes very challenging. And it's, uh, it's nice that Pharmacan makes it really, really easy for us. Um, the billing is really easy for the families as well, and it's it's very reasonably priced. Um, so it, on all fronts, it's very beneficial to our type of setting. Awesome. Well, thanks, Pharmacan. And thank you, Marissa. <laughs> um, so let's uh, talk a little bit about person-centered care. Uh, cannabis therapeutics is really the epitome of individualized medicine because everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. With medicine shifting to a person-centered care model in the last decade, it seemed that cannabis would be having a shining moment. Cannabis medicine is an excellent tool that could address many symptoms simultaneously. Eloise, 
How does knowledge of the endocannabinoid system inform person-centered care? How does radical health education and the American Cannabis Nurses Association teach about the ECS? That's a great question. Most healthcare professionals are uneducated about the endocannabinoid system. So they're learning about it for the first time. We're also finding that many patients are just learning about the endocannabinoid system for the first time as well. And so at Radical Health, when I'm working with a patient or their family member for the first time, you know, going through their health history, I'm looking to see what role the endocannabinoid system might be playing in their disease process. So for example, um, do they have a poor diet? Do they have, you know, do they lack a good support system? Are they exercising? Are they drinking a lot of alcohol? What kind of medications are they taking? What other symptoms are they experiencing outside of the reason they may have come to see me? And that helps me individualize their care um, and provide patient-centered care, which is quite, I think, um, unusual in other traditional settings. And it really helps, you know, inform how we want to teach healthcare professionals. Um, once we identify the endocannabinoid system, whether or not they have a clinical deficiency in their endocannabinoid system, and then moving into the actual cannabinoids in the plant and, you know, looking at those profiles to determine which cannabinoid profile might be most appropriate for that patient. It's, you know, I think for many nurses, at least my experience when I first came to cannabis was I, I resisted the individual approach of cannabinoid medicine because I was very much used to that, you know, give narco three times a day or, or take, you know, a statin at night. And that is not how cannabis works. It's quite remarkable to see when we do individualize it, how dramatically different and better the results can be. Yeah, amazing. Um, it would seem to me that people would be resistant to changing other parts of their life when they're used to getting a pill to fix everything. Mm -hmm. It is challenging, you know, really kind of assessing their motivation uh, at the beginning to determine what they want to change and starting with one thing at a time. You know, I think many people see cannabis as a silver bullet. Um, we know it has amazing results, but it can take time to really see those results and, and working with somebody again and helping them navigate that process really does improve their success rather than, you know, just trying it once and not being able to monitor those results. Right. Yeah. Follow up is so important. Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Grobe. Um, as we all know, right, every patient is different. How do you find the right dose? Where do you start? Well, I guess the first uh, issue to address is uh, what, are you, what, what are you trying to treat? And it, that runs the gamut from insidious anxiety, underlying angst that's hard to articulate, just a, a sense of dis-ease in life, to robust agitation where somebody's potentially going to get hurt. So, so, and, and I, 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 I adjust of my treatment based on uh, uh, what the what the condition is, uh, conditions are that I'm trying to treat, and also how uh, immediate a response I, I need I need to get. So, with uh, many uh, uh, individuals, particularly uh, older individuals who are either cannabis naive or had one experience uh, when they were in their twenties or thirties and and got very anxious and or paranoid and never had since I, I do a very gradual approach. And I agree with Eloise, you, you know, you, you take a, 
a holistic approach. You look at their lifestyle and diet, what gives them pleasure. And, you know, there was a, a, a great study that shows that the gardening increases brain-derived neurotrophic factors. So one step is try a little cannabis and gardening, you know, to see. And, and I bring it with people who are cognitively intact enough to discuss the importance of set and setting. Mm. That is the intention, the mindset as you take this medicine set with a prayer, for instance, um, and, and hope as well as the setting you take it in. You, you want to particularly initially people who may be anxious to get first, you want to have it in a, in a calm, soothing setting, perhaps with music they enjoy or uh, some activity, not going out into uh, Costco, for instance, you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and, and so I usually, uh, people who may be anxious or naive, I, I typically start with a, a predominantly CBD uh, Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, treatment, and then I gradually increase uh, THC as as needed. You know, the, the, unfortunately, the cost, the, the the limiting factor for most people is cost, mm -hmm. and, and also lack of education. Because I've had several people who I start on a twenty to one CBD THC two or three times a day, and they they don't notice anything. It doesn't work. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not that it doesn't work, it says that you, you're probably going to need more to see if it works or doesn't work. And then you may introduce more THC to lower the expense, or if, if expense is an issue, double up the dose of the predominant CBD. So there's that issue. Um, but again, everybody is different. It's not a one-size-fits-all uh, situation. Yeah, yeah. So people need to be patient and keep good notes or see a practitioner frequently so that they can keep good notes for them. Um, anxiety and depression are among the most common mental health issues, especially now. Um, and there are published studies and reports among patients that show that cannabis can help ease these symptoms. Um, Dr. Grobe, can you tell us about a very anxious patient living with dementia and their onboarding journey? What symptoms do they have and how did cannabis ease them? Right. Well, you know, um, again, I work with a lot of individuals who, um, due to the uh, advanced nature of the dementia, are not able to articulate what's bothering them. So the mental status exam is that both of observation as well as of gathering um, collateral information from people who spend time with this individual. And uh, we always want to address uh, underlying uh, potential triggers, uh, such as uh, anything from uh, pain that's not being uh, uh, addressed uh, to perhaps an undiagnosed urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. So these are things we want to look at, but um, more often than not, um, you know, there's no doubt about it that a cannabis um, can uh, uh, help people who have pain um, often with insomnia and also a kind of failure to thrive uh, for uh, appetite and weight loss. All these things are often helped. And it's, it's quite unfortunate that uh, many physicians who are prescribing opioids, if they find, uh, particularly a methadone, if they find that the person is using cannabis, even if it's a, a recommended by a physician, will, not, will no longer work with them with opioids. Yeah, again, this you know, the lack of education and miseducation. Um, so 
you know, I, 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 I have many individuals in nursing facilities, particularly at Primrose in Santa Rosa, mm -hmm. who have shown a rather um, remarkable therapeutic response to cannabis, so much so that I've been able to uh, decrease, if not uh, uh, discontinue, use of uh, allopathic medications like antibiotics. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, Eloise, tell us about a patient with anxiety who's benefiting from cannabis medicine. What did their journey look like? Yeah, uh, it's great to hear from Dr. Grobe as well. I'd love to hear if he's seen some similar experiences between uh, male and females and how they respond to different cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I get some patients as well in assisted living facilities where their behaviors are not well managed with pharmaceuticals and often are either really aggressive and acting out um, or they're crying a lot. And, you know, it's definitely uh, anxiety related mm -hmm. in some of the patients um, in the females. I've noticed that THC seems to be at very, very low dosages, the most beneficial for uh, helping with that kind of anxiety mm -hmm. that manifests in either crying or aggressiveness. And in males, I've noticed that CBD predominantly tends to be more effective. Now it's sort of a generalization. Mm -hmm. But um, I can think of one woman in particular who was crying all day, every day, just sobbing constantly. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this was happening before the pandemic, but of course got worse as a result of the isolation. Um, and just a very low dose, two milligram THC three times a day has stopped her crying. Um, she's actually uh, improved in terms of her mood. So she smiles again. She's more communicative. She responds to activities of daily living better. So she doesn't resist showering or personal hygiene, things like that. So it really can dramatically improve their quality of life as well as the people around them, their loved ones and the staff. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Thank you. Wow. Uh, Dr. Grobe, have you noticed uh, changes like that um, or differences like that in your patient population or do, do the men tend to react better to CBD and I, women? Uh, I, I, I appreciate Elvis's uh, perspective. I haven't noticed a, a difference, but uh, then again, I just out of my, my kind of historical way of, of using it, I tend to start more with CBD. And then, if need be, gradually introduce uh, more THC. The only exception to that would be uh, uh, a situation of uh, uh, where we need to change, uh, make a change immediately. Somebody who may be violent. In that case, I do introduce a, 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 a fairly good dose of uh, THC initially because I find that it, it, I need to use more THC for agitated behaviors by fairly big dose what do you mean well uh i i usually start uh on a one-to-one -one five milligram cbd five milligram thc mm -hmm. two or three times a day or uh, two times a day with an as needed dose just to get a baseline and see and uh, uh, uh it's not unusual that i'm able to maintain somebody at that dose sometimes you need to push it up Sometimes you need to lower it, again, all individual base. Right, right. Uh, to a, um adult use cannabis user, five milligrams uh, may not seem to be a lot, but apparently in our population that we're talking about, that is a big dose. 
So um, some people might be uh, surprised by that yeah. information. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I have other people, particularly younger adults, who are much higher doses. Of, of interesting. It's here they're doing doing great, um, but I, I I usually don't have to push the dose all that high. Um, you know, I have uh, many people in their family are reluctant to get rid of the prescription medication stuff. So mm. hypothetically, if we withdrew more of this uh, psychotropics, we would need to push the dose. Right, right. Uh, very good. Thank you. Um, so Marissa, could you tell us a little bit about how anxiety manifests in a facility setting? What does it look like? Is it calling out? Besides um, the crying. <laughs> yeah, so similar to what um, Eloise and Dr. Grove have already mentioned, um, we see a lot of aggression towards staff or other residents, and sometimes it can be completely unprovoked. Mm -hmm. um, we can see, um, you know, verbal aggression as well, screaming out towards people, um, and generally just calling out. Um, you hear um, people just kind of screaming out for you can't determine why they're actually doing that. Weight loss is another big one um, due to decreased appetite or just being so busy that they can't sit down and actually eat and they're just wandering all the time. Mm -hmm. um, exit seeking. Mm -hmm. um, fear is another big one. Um, and the expression of fear um, and delusions and then, you know, sometimes crying um, about being in fear of yeah. people and distrust towards um, individuals. Yeah. Um, so those are those are the what we usually see right. at the situation. And when a resident who has those symptoms and they start using cannabis medicine um, and they find the right dose, what does that right dose look like? The right dose is, you know, when we see that, we see that the resident is um, able to sleep better, um, that they're able to actually um, dis display having a good mood and engage in social activities um, and um, have, you know, more um, interactions even with their loved ones. Um, they might even um, stop being aggressive towards staff when it comes to um, assistance with activities of daily living. Um, and, you know, happiness is another big one too, as you just see that they their face kind of changes, their affect changes to, to looking a lot more um, at peace um, as opposed to constantly in fear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and when they're onboarding, I, I remember you said that it's almost immediate, like when they first mm -hmm. start the new medicine. Do you find that um, you've had to go through a lot of different dose changes to find the right dose for a lot of patients or is it pretty easy off the bat? Um, it really depends on the individual. Um, it's it's a total case by case basis. Yeah. Um, we do have some individuals that it takes a lot more, um, you know, trying one thing, see if that works, and easing off of that. Um, and like Dr. Grove said, a lot of these individuals um, are very reluctant to get off of the psychotropic medications, um, which can interfere with the effectiveness of the CBD. In my opinion, I feel like you don't get a real image of what it. Um, how effective it really is until you eliminate those psychotropic medications. Um, and sometimes, you know, you see somebody who um, initiates it and immediately you see a response like the resident that I had been talking about earlier. Right. Awesome. That's great. Um, Dr. Grove, back to you. Uh, how do you start with someone complaining of depression? Um, 
Do you have a success story of someone struggling with depression, getting relief with cannabis therapeutics, and how long did it take for them to find the relief? Sure. Um, well, the, the, the first question I, I sometimes ask, one of, the, one of the first questions, how would you like to proceed? Uh, if they're not uh, using anything, I say, well, we could work with prescription medications or, or uh, we could work with cannabis to start with. Um, and so, you know, there are some individuals who are more, uh, have more faith in the medical model that want to go on an antidepressant. And I, of course, honor that request. And then I have other people who say, I don't want to take any medicine. I, I'd like to more herbal or natural approach, in which case we, we work with cannabis. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd say that, uh, you know, the, the, the one, um, um, Caveat is, uh, you know, if they're suicidal. Of course, mm -hmm. if they're suicidal, I go straight to prescription uh, because for, for a plethora of reasons. Um, but, you know, individuals who want to work with cannabis, and I, I get their, both their history of cannabis use, um, as well as their understanding of cannabis. Is there, is there uh, anxiety? Is there enthusiasm? Um, and, and so all those things go into the equation of, of, of where we start and how to proceed. Uh, and I always encourage people who are depressed to, 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 to enter into therapy. It's unfortunate we are such a medically driven society now that we forget about the importance of, of therapy, in my opinion. Um, but I, I have one individual that comes to mind. Who, who came to my office and um, who was a, a very, he's a very successful individual, has a lot of world experiences, uh, quite capable, but um, um, slowly uh, in a state of cognitive decline. And, uh, and there's a sense of that, but not a clear appreciation. And I think that cognitive decline has clearly contributed to his his sense of dis-ease and loss of place in the world. So he had, um, had like an agitated depression where he would just snap and become irritable and fly off the cuff and was uh, you know, uh, traumatizing to his loved ones. And uh, we, we started him with uh, a, a CBD, a 20 to 1, uh, a CBD to THC two or three times a day. And he comes back and says, I feel fantastic. I feel so much better now. So even though he was not able to come to me and say, you know, I'm really depressed. Mm -hmm. My sense was he had some, he had depression going on, depression, agitation. And, uh, and, and, you know, lo and behold, uh, and, and, and the interesting thing uh, about cannabis, as, as Marissa stated, you often see the response right away, as opposed to say an antidepressant where oftentimes you have to wait. Uh, some weeks to see it. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Thank you. Um, and Eloise, what have you found in treating elderly complaining of depression using cannabis medicine? Yeah, and I also appreciate Dr. Grobe's approach because often there are many factors that we're trying to evaluate and consider when, when coming up with a plan and, and often they may not even be fully aware that their symptoms are related to depression. 
I can think of uh, one older woman in particular who was wanting to use cannabis for depression. And we, after doing a thorough health history, decided on a THC approach. And she came back to me and said, not only has her mood improved, but she's actually able to work through um, some very tough things for her. It helped open her mind. It helped her feel more accepting of some of the things that she felt like were, she, you know, she was working through those things differently. It, it, it's almost like it gave her permission to dive in deeper to what was really causing that depression and lowered her fear around that. So she was able to do that work. And, you know, she just came back beaming when she saw me. It was really a dramatic effect that she received um, almost immediately as well. And it really helped me to understand the importance of educating around euphoria that people tend to be very afraid of with, with THC in particular, and how healing that can be for many, many people, especially when they're dealing with chronic and age-related illness. That euphoria can be a very welcomed benefit. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Um, and how about you, Marissa? What have you seen in the facility setting with folks struggling with depression during the pandemic? Um, well, similar, you know, to what all of us have kind of been going through is it's just that that limitation of being able to see people that you really care about and love that you're familiar with, mm -hmm. um, that it, it causes them to have a lot of uh, more of a decline as well. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, the limitation of having those really meaningful, positive experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, a lot of people I've seen, even in, in my lodge setting have turned to cannabis, um, to work through some of that, um, mm -hmm. uh, because they are feeling more depressed. They are feeling more anxious, more isolated. Um, and it's, it's a very challenging thing for especially our older population to go through because this is when you spend a lot of your time kind of reflecting on, you know, what's going on, um, with your life and, you know, the, the limitations that you're facing, the loss of control that you're facing, um, and to remove people that bring you meaning and bring you happiness can really be detrimental. Mm -hmm. Um, so, the benefit of having something like cannabis, and I love that Eloise had touched on the euphoria aspect, is because, you know, that can really um, assist them in working through some of those feelings that they're having, and empower them, you know, to um, to take back control over their own emotions and um, really make make for a better a better situation for them yeah, maybe have a little joy in life exactly exactly <laughs> goodness gracious joy is always good right yeah that's that's what keeps us going you know yes yes um well we are getting toward the end of our time together i'd love it if you would each um give us a little bit of uh, a wrap-up of your um thoughts um it's been so great talking with you all um we really, really appreciate each of your perspectives. They're so unique and different. Um, is there anything you'd like to add? And also, please tell people how they can connect with you and your organization. And I know Eloise is presenting at a conference soon, so I hope she'll tell us about that. Maybe um, start with Dr. Grobe real quick. Thank you. Well, I'm always pleased to be able to talk about 
uh, uh, the potential value of uh, cannabis and helping people uh, journey through life. Um, it's not for everyone, but uh, I think it's quite unfortunate that there's been this uh, a public uh, campaign where it's still considered a Schedule One substance of no therapeutic value. So uh, hopefully, uh, uh, in my lifetime, this will change, uh, along with other Schedule One uh, substances, which actually have uh, remarkable potential as uh, healing vehicles. So if uh, uh, I encourage people to uh, get educated, uh, there's a wealth of information on the uh, internet. And uh, um, and if they'd like to reach me, uh, they can. The uh, best way would be my email, which is y a l a d r a l a at gmail dot com. Excellent, thank you, Dr. Grove. And Eloise, how about you? Yes, well, thank you for bringing us all together, Chella. I think you did a fantastic job. Well, it's um, my pleasure. You know, raising awareness around this topic and. You know, working with older adults, I love getting an opportunity to really help them with cannabis. I feel like it's sometimes the only thing that works for them, and sometimes it doesn't work for them at all, you know, like Dr. Grove said. Um, so just being able to have that opportunity is, is such a treat. Um, I will be presenting at um, CanMed in September of this year. Um, some of the data on my patients, my Alzheimer dementia patients who've been using cannabis successfully to manage their symptoms, reduce their pharmaceutical intake, uh, improve outcomes. So I, I really look forward to that. Um, and you can go to my website at radicalhealthcare.com. It's R-A-D-I-C-L-E, like the root that comes out of the seed. Um, and you can learn more about me there, the education we're providing, and uh, how to book an appointment. Awesome. Thank you. And Marissa, how about you? Uh, thank you so much for bringing us all together. It's been a, a lot of fun to, you know, talk about this with you guys. Um, so the best way to get in touch with me is uh, my email, Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, period, Goldman, G-O-L-D-M-A-N, at oakmontmg.com. Um, and, you know, it's been uh, quite a journey, and our goal here at the Terrace's Memory Care and the Lodge has been to really reduce the use of psychotropic and antipsychotic medications with our elderly population. Mm -hmm. um, we've taken a lot of strides to do that. In the past six months, we've gone from 40% usage to down to 16%. So um, we've made you know tremendous, um, tremendous effort, and we've also had a lot of success with it. Um, and it, it's a, a holistic approach completely. You know, it, it's the assistance with you know, CBD medications, but also just about programming and, you know, how you're able to find meaning in people's lives and also find other um, venues to help with people that are having, you know, those really um, challenging moments in their day. Um, so it's been a lot of fun and, um, you know, we've worked a lot in trying to do a multi-sensory room, also known as a snoozeland room. So that's been a, a big driving factor as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I am really proud of my team here. Um, it's been a lot of education and, um, and Dr. Grove, we've actually worked with him a lot with our residents as well. And he's a, he's a great, um, asset and assistance with that. So um, thank you so much. 
That's great. Thank you. Questions? Well, I think um, that wraps us up. Yeah. We want to thank you, Dr. Grobe and nurse, Elo nurse practitioner Eloise and nurse Marissa for doing all you do for older people. And we want to thank all of you for watching and sharing. Thanks for joining us for Cannabis Helps Dementia. Be sure to download, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting network. And please share this podcast with anyone you know in relationship with dementia. Do you want to tell your story of how cannabis helps dementia? Leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash cannabis helps dementia, or you can drop us a note or connect with us on the socials. Check out the Society of Cannabis Clinicians website to find real medical professionals familiar with cannabis medicine in your area or online. Because you remember, we're not doctors, just family caregivers turned advocates. And don't forget, download, like, and share what you learned. Cannabis helps dementia. Why don't you get wise? Get up and get out. Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down. And get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. You'll never know if you can.